Isaiah chapter 30, starting at verse 8. Go now, write it on a tablet in their presence, and inscribe it on a scroll. It will be for the future, forever and ever. They are a rebellious people, deceptive children, children who do not obey the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy the truth to us. Tell us flattering things. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Leave the path. Rid us of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Holy One of Israel says, because you have rejected the message and have trusted in oppression and deceit and have depended on them, this iniquity of yours will be like a spreading breach, a bulge in a high wall whose collapse will come in an instant, suddenly. Its collapse will be like the shattering of a potter's jar, crushed to pieces, so that not even a fragment of pottery will be found among its shattered remains. No fragment large enough to take fire from a hearth or scoop water from a cistern. For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has, says, has said, You will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. You say, No, we will escape on horses. Therefore, you will escape, and we will ride on fast horses, but those who pursue you will be faster. One thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will flee, until you alone remain like a solitary pole on a mountaintop or a banner on a hill. Therefore, the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion, for the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. So it's 2 John, starting at verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, I love all of you in truth, and not only I, but also all who have come to know the truth, because the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning, you must walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. The this is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching... This one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't say welcome to him. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to do, do so with paper and ink. Instead, I hope to be with you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please keep that passage open in front of you so you can test what I'm saying is God's word 
and uh, you can follow along with us. Um, but before we start looking into God's Word, please join with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now that we come and look at your Word. Uh, we pray, Lord, that your, your Spirit will illuminate uh, what's written here in 2 John. Pray that you'll help me be faithful to the text and that we would be encouraged to continue to live for your glory. In your Son's name. Amen. Well, I said in my interview that uh, one of my things is I try to stay out of the library as much as possible uh, while at college. Um, but for you guys and for 5 p.m., which I preached at just earlier, um, I broke this rule and I went back and I did a bit of research uh, for this sermon. And uh, what I was researching uh, was I was actually researching reasons people leave church. I was uh, reading uh, different researches, different articles, uh, and what I found out that uh, basically when you break it all down to, to two things, uh, you can break it all down to people leaving church to two reasons. Um, the first reason that most people leave church uh, is because there's a lack of love in the church community. Um, the second reason that people leave church, what these reports said, was that there's either false teachers teaching or there's false teaching that draws people away from the church. So they're, they're the two main reasons that people leave church, a lack of love and false teaching. Well, tonight, uh, we're going to tackle both of those head on. Uh, John, fantastic, very relevant. Um, he has written against these two things. Uh, he sees that um, there are two ways that a Christian needs to walk. Uh, the first way that we are to walk is we're to walk in love. Uh, the second way we're to walk is to walk in truth. And John has identified love and truth as the antidotes to leaving the church. So we're going to look at both of these. We're going to look at, firstly, we'll look at love, and then we'll look at what it means to walk in truth. So firstly, walking in love. And as we look at this, uh, what we'll do is, We'll ask the question, we'll sort of, we had um, uh, Jonathan Fletcher here uh, throughout the weekend training our Hive group leaders, and he had this great phrase, it was like, box the text. And so we're going to box the text with a couple of questions. And the questions that we're going to uh, hit the text with are, who are we to love, how are we to love, and why are we to love? There are three questions that we will follow through in this first part. So, firstly, who are we to love? Well, John's point is quite simple. It's Christians, you guys, are to love Christians. Check out verse 5 with me. You can see it right there. He says, So now I urge you, dear lady. Now, I'll just stop there. Dear lady um, is John's sort of shorthand way of referring to a church. It's a metaphorical use. Um, so that's what he's referring to there. So he says, So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing to you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now, I don't know if you guys were here for the One John uh, series that we've just finished, um, but it sounds like John's a bit of a broken record, doesn't it? Sounds like he just keeps repeating, 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 Christians love one another, love one another. Now, 
John knows that Christians are to love their neighbours. They're to love non-Christians because John was around uh, when Jesus taught about that. He also knows that uh, Christians are to love their enemies because he was around when Jesus taught on that. But John doesn't mention any of those things in this letter. Uh, John is focusing purely and simply on Christians loving each other. Now, I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking, why does John spend so much time focusing purely just on Christians? And as I was thinking about it and thinking about my church experiences, it's because it's such a simple message. It's such a simple message. But one that the church and Christians continually keep stuffing up. We continually keep forgetting this simple message to love our brothers and sisters. Now, I'm sure you're like me, but you would have heard, you would have heard uh, many different stories of, of infighting within churches that have torn them apart, of, of little cliques that form in our churches that are unloving, of, of church politics that have divided churches and gone their own way. This is not love. And this is why I think John is like a broken record and keeps saying to the church, brothers, sisters, love one another. Love one another. So that's where John starts. Well, we need to get a bit practical. We need to help us unpack what it looks to love one another, what it looks like to love our fellow Christians. And so that's where we're going to look at how we are to love, how we're to love. You can see on the screen, uh, follow along with us. Um, the first way that Christians are to, to love one another, how we're to love, is we're to show regard, uh, appreciation and concern for each other. Um, now, you wouldn't pick this up in your English Bible because we only have one word for the word love. Um, but the Greeks, they're fantastic. They've got four different words uh, for the word love. Um, most of you probably have heard that before. Um, and the word that is used here for love is agape. Uh, it's this great word and it picks up the idea of um, this uh, high appreciation or a high regard or a loving concern for another person. It's not a romantic, feeling-based love. It's, it's one of deep concern uh, for another person. And it, it, it's, not a, it's not a selfish love. Uh, in our society, we, we have a lot of people that say, you know, we, we love someone because of what we'll get in return. That's, that's not what agape love is. Um, or it's not a, a judgmental love where uh, we sort of judge the person and we say, I can't love that person because of what they've done. It's not like that at all. Uh, and it's not a conditional love. It's like, I'll only love you if you're sort of part of this little in-group. In no, it's, it's not like that at all. Um, simply by being a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are entitled to be treated with this agape love. It's, it's a love. 1 Corinthians uh, 13 picks it up. You haven't read at all the weddings that you, you, you go to. And it's a love that is patient 
It's a love that's kind. It's a love that's forgiving, humble, enduring, trusting. This is the love that John is talking about, that Christians, we need to show each other. It's similar to God's love for us. Well, as I was preparing uh, this talk this week, I, I was just on the out, out, uh, lookout for uh, examples of this type of love. And uh, I, I, I found one on Wednesday night when I was at Hive Group. A um, person was just sharing about uh, how uh, they had driven um, basically half an hour out of their way to pick up someone else in our Hive Group uh, who was very sick and, and was unable to drive. They drove half an, hour out, half an hour out of their way to pick them up, drove all the way here to Kirribilli, then drove them back. So out of this very busy person's week, took an hour out of their day to love this person. I know other churches that uh, provide food uh, for uh, parents who have just had babies. Um, but in this church, I know that there are many people who have shown love by just sitting, listening, and crying with people who are going through mental illness, whether it be depression or anxiety. I know many people who have done that in this church. And also I know of people who, as this church is a very transient church, who have kept up friendships and relationships with people who have gone, maybe gone to other cities, just continued to love them, to show love to them through connecting with them. And this is what John says. He says, Christian love, love for your brother or sister, is a love that cares, that values, that is grateful for your fellow Christian. Well, John moves on. The second reason that John gives for how we are to love is he says that we are to show sacrificial love. It's, it's a costly love. It's one that costs us. Have a look with me at verse 6. John says, And this is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command that, I have heard, that, uh, that you have heard from the beginning. You must walk in love. So when we walk in love, we are following his commands. Well, we need to ask the text. We need to box the text a little bit. We've got to ask, well, what are his commands? Who is the his? Who is John talking about here? And the his that John refers to uh, is Jesus. And if you remember, John recorded in his biography of Jesus' life, he recorded in John 15 verse 12. Listen to Jesus' words here. He says, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Friends, brothers, sisters, this is love. Love involves dying to your own desires. Uh, love involves giving up what you want for the sake of someone else. Love involves giving rather than getting. As I was preparing this this week, I was thinking how radical this is. I was just 
thinking about our culture and, and seeing how countercultural this is. Our, our society is a society that says uh, we should be looking out for number one. Put yourself first. But in the Christian community, we should be a Christian community, a community that is looking out for everyone else other than ourselves. Love involves sacrifice. But then we need to ask, if that's the how we love, we now need to ask, why? Why bother loving? Why, why as Christians do we love in this way? And John gives us three reasons. Um, the first reason uh, why we are to love is because we share the same truth. Essentially, John is saying, you and me, as Christians, we're on the same team. Check out verses 1 and 2, right at the beginning. To the elect lady and her children. Again, John's just referring to the church. I love all of you in the truth. And not only I but also all who have come to know the truth because the truth that remains in us will be with us forever. The reason John loves this church is because they share the same truth. That they all understand how sinful they have been and they all understand that they cling to the same Saviour. They share the same problem and they cling to the same cross. They're essentially teammates with Jesus as their captain and their coach. And so John says, love your teammates. Can you imagine a, a sporting team that didn't pass the ball to one another? They just kept the ball at their feet and tried to do it all themselves? It'd be a hopeless team. But if you imagine a team that, that shares and cares and passes and works together as a team fantastic. It's just beautiful. Uh, the second reason that John says uh, of why we are to love each other, the second motivating reason is because you, me, we, we have been loved. Please look at verse 3 with me. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. John is essentially saying Christians are to love each other because we have been loved. God has shown grace and mercy to us through Jesus Christ and will show us peace when we are resurrected in the end times. Christians are called to love because we've been loved. Now, friends, this is like the key. If, if you don't grasp this fact, if you don't grasp what God has given up to love you, you won't have any motivation to love the difficult people in your church. You won't have the motivation to continue to love when times are hard. We love because we have been loved. 
The third reason that John gives for Christians to love each other may, may surprise you a little bit. It's we're to love one another because we need to save our energy for the real battles that exist outside the church. Have a look with me at verse 6 and 7. Halfway through verse 6, John says, This is the command that you have heard it from the beginning. You must walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Christ Jesus in the flesh. This is the deceiver, the Antichrist. Do you see how closely these two ideas are linked? Firstly, John says at the end of verse 6, continue to walk in love. And then straight away, without even stopping, he goes in to say that many deceivers are coming. He goes into a warning. So what, what, John, is, what John is doing here is he's saying, the reason you need to love within the church is because you need to save your energies for fighting the battles that are outside the church. There are people outside the church who are wanting to bring you undone. John, in my eyes, he, he's being very pragmatic. He's saying, save your emotional, save your physical, save your spiritual energy to fight the battles that are real battles, the ones outside the church. A, a little while ago, I was chatting with a guy at college, um, and he was telling me a story uh, about a, a girl. She was about uni age. Um, and she came to his church, and um, she came from a non-Christian family. She came from a non-Christian family, and, and this non-Christian family hated the fact that she was a Christian. They belittled her, they ridiculed her, they called her faith unintellectual. Uh, they would put family events on Sunday night so that she would have to go to those instead of going to church. They made it very difficult for her to live as a Christian. But this was not this girl's problem. This girl's problem was that she was very beautiful. She was pretty. And, and when this girl came to church, the other girls in the church got jealous of her. And what they did, her sisters, they took every opportunity to put her down, to exclude her, to ridicule her, to gossip about her. And in the moment when this girl desperately needed the love of her sisters, her sisters were doing the exact opposite. She was so worn out, emotionally dealing with the infighting within the church, that she had nothing left when she got home to deal with her parents. She was ground down, completely worn out, until one day she just walked away. John says, brothers, sisters, love one another.
the, um, the second antidote that John gives for people leaving the church um, is that is where to walk in truth. We're just going to ask one question about what it looks like to walk in truth. Um, that one question is, um, how are we to walk in truth? And John, he warns us, he says, walking in truth means occasionally you are going to have to disregard counterfeit Christians, counterfeit Christian teachers. And he helpfully gives us two ways to spot these counterfeit Christian teachers. I'm going to whip through them quite quickly, so just follow along with me. Um, The first way to spot counterfeit Christian teachers uh, is they deny truths about Jesus. Uh, You can see this in verse 7. Let me read it for you. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver, the Antichrist. Uh, The counterfeit Christian teachers of John's day, they weren't confessing the truth that Jesus came in the flesh. They, They were denying that. Well, today, there are still counterfeit Christian teachers, people masquerading as Christians who, who, are, who are claiming that they believe in Jesus and they're out there teaching, they're out there writing books, they're putting online sermons and blogs. And these counterfeit teachers, they deny things like uh, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. They deny that. Or they deny that Jesus is God. Or they deny that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient to cover all our sins. They deny truths about Jesus. That's the first way to spot a counterfeit Christian teacher. The second way to spot a counterfeit Christian teacher is when they add something to Jesus' teaching. You can see this in verse 9. Have a look with me. Um, John says, Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. And John says, so anyone who goes beyond what Christ teaches does not have God. They're not a Christian teacher. Well, as I was thinking about this this week, there, there are two ways, I think, I'm happy for people to tell me afterwards if there's more, but there are two ways that this happens today. Um, the first way that people go beyond Jesus' teaching is what people term the gospel plus. So it's, I've heard people say, you know, you believe in Jesus, plus you have to do X, Y, or Z. Um, most of the time, the common one I've heard is, uh, yes, you believe in Jesus, but you also need to speak in tongues. Or, yes, you believe in Jesus, but you also have to give money to the church. Or, or yes, you believe in Jesus, and you have to go on this pilgrimage. Or, yes, you believe in Jesus, or you have to say these certain prayers. It's the gospel plus, and that's adding something to what Jesus taught. Because Jesus taught that only He was the way, the truth, and the life. There was nothing else that we had to do. Or the second way that these counterfeit Christian teachers add something to the gospel is they they go beyond what Jesus promised. They they go beyond what Jesus promised. They, They say things like, Jesus wants you to be rich. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to prosper. They promise more than what he said. And I actually find this uh, quite funny. Um, 
there's a story in the Bible. Uh, Jesus was so far from rich that when he had to pay his taxes, he went fishing and he found money in the mouth of a fish to pay his taxes. That's how poor Jesus was. I think that's a really cool story. So Jesus was as far from rich and prosperous as these people try and make out. So the second way to spot a counterfeit Christian teacher is they add something to the gospel. Well, how are we to respond? What are we to do as a Christian community when we come across a counterfeit Christian teacher, someone who's not walking in the truth? Well, John's pretty blunt. Did you, did you see that in, in verse 10? He says in verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, he's referring there to Christ's teaching, John says, Do not receive him into your house. And don't say to him, Welcome. John blunt. He just says, Disregard a counterfeit teacher. If he doesn't bring Jesus' teaching, don't listen to him. And, and friends, I don't know about yourselves, but I know in my congregation at 5 p.m., there are people who listen to online sermons, there are people who read blogs, they read books on their Kindle, so on and so forth. It, it's so easy for counterfeit Christian teachers to, to slip in through those means. I want us to be really wary of of who we're listening to, of what they're saying. And if you're unsure, if you're listening to someone and you're thinking, this doesn't really sound right, I think they're denying a truth about Jesus, or I think they're promising or adding something to the gospel, come, talk with Dan, talk with Dan, talk with someone who you trust, a more mature Christian. Get their insight into it. Because the reason why... John writes this letter. The reason why John writes this letter is because he wants the, the church that he's writing to, and he, and he wants us here. He, he wants us to continue to trust in Christ's teaching. Uh, do you see that in the second half of verse 9? He says, The one who remains in that teaching, that's Christ's teaching, this one has both the Father and and the son this is why john writes he wants us so he writes so that we continue to remain in christ's teaching well as i've been talking and even as i'm thinking about it now um for for me to, to love like this and to walk in truth like this it, it seems hard, it's, it's, it's weighty, it, it's difficult for, for, for us to do. Uh, I know that I don't do it perfectly, and, and I'm sure many of you will feel the same way. Um, but there's, there's good news for us, friends. The good news is that even though we don't walk perfectly, we have our faith in someone who did. We trust in the Lord Jesus who loved perfectly and he loved all the way to the cross and his love for us covers over all our imperfections when we don't love each other perfectly 
And friends, that is the good news of the gospel. But the other good news that comes as a result of that is that Jesus Christ lives in each one of us to help us to walk in love and walk in truth. And do you see that in in verse 2? It's hidden there. But in verse 2, John says, the truth that remains in us and will be in us forever. The the truth that John's referring to is the truth of Christ. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the embodiment of truth. And John says that this truth lives within us. You see that? It remains in us. And the way that it remains in us is through the Spirit of God. And this truth remains in the Christian forever. It never ends. It's always there helping us, reshaping us, changing us. And the other good thing that John gives us is John gives us a letter. Well, he's given us five letters in the Bible, along with all the other writers of the Bible. He's given us the words of truth. That they instruct us in how to love one another and they instruct us in how to walk in truth. And they're our guide that we are to follow. So friends, I was in the library looking at the studies of what happens and why people leave churches. Um, The two reasons are a lack of love among brothers and sisters. And people who don't walk in the truth, either false teachers or people being led away by false teaching. I want to encourage you like John has encouraged you from his word. Be people who walk in love and be people who walk in truth. Love others because we have been loved. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you left the glories of heaven and you came down here to earth to live amongst us. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you went to the cross, that you were strung up, that you were nailed, that you were beaten and flogged for us and for our sake and for our sin. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have demonstrated for us, sacrificial and costly. Lord, we pray that we would be people who love this truth, and would be people who are shaped by this love, and would be people who show this love to others. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen.